Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to the book of Jude. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, either paper or electronic will be in the book of Jude all the way at the end of the New Testament. Just really just one chapter, just short book, but uh, we will be there. We'll look at uh, verses 17 through 25. We'll make mention of the few uh, beginning verses, some context. We'll have the whole, enough time to go through the whole book tonight. But um, the title of tonight's sermon is Do Not Be Deceived. Jude, verses 17 through 25. We'll begin reading there. Jude writes these words. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who have doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we are thankful for your word. God, we are thankful, Lord, that you speak to us through your word. Father, we are thankful for this message that we have tonight that you provided to us through this text. God, we pray now that we would receive the truth from your holy word. God, I pray that when we leave here tonight, we would not be deceived. Father, we would know that there is nothing greater, and there is no one greater than you, King Jesus. There is nothing that can touch you, Father. We thank you for your great love for us. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, in a response to this word tonight, in a response to knowing who you are and how much we are loved by you, Jesus, God, I pray that we would live our lives in such a way that would point to your greatness and people would see in us that we know we are not deceived. We know that there is nothing better than you. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you'd have your way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, some of you may know this, but I, I love baseball cards. My wife loves that I love baseball cards. Just kidding. That's, that's kind of a joke. But uh, uh, I, I do love, when I was a kid, I collected baseball cards. And a couple years ago, I, I kind of got back into it. And, uh, and so I, I collect them. I, I love opening up brand new packs, right? And so it's kind of like a Christmas morning. You're opening up a pack of cards. You don't know what's inside. So to me, it's like opening up a gift. But I love collecting them. And uh, uh, last year, uh, we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee uh, on a little family vacation. And I went by a, a card shop, a collector's store, and they have all kind of cards in there. And so there was one card, a player on my favorite team, the uh, the reigning world champion, Atlanta Braves. Um, and so I, I, I saw this card, and I let this sales, I had to plug that in there for you, just in case you didn't know. But uh, I let this salesman talk me into this card, and he was talking up, and it looked really good, and it was in a nice display case, and, and uh, it looked like it was an expensive card. And, and for me it was, but it really wasn't for, for a lot of people. But uh, I paid what they were offering. Uh, I didn't even talk him down because he made it sound so good. 
And so I paid for this card only to find out a couple months ago that I overpaid on that card, right? I was deceived. I let a salesman talk me into buying this card. And so I was deceived into buying this card. It looked like a good deal. And so often in life, we can be deceived on other things as well. Now, what's the definition of worth? Well, the definition of worth is what someone is willing to pay, right? However, uh, I guess that card was worth that much money, but I wouldn't have paid that if I had known it really wasn't worth that amount. But the definition of worth is what someone is willing to pay. So all the information that I needed, I I, I could have looked it up on my phone, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to look up the price of value of a card. I do now because I learned that lesson, right? But in our text tonight, Jude writes to a group of people who had been deceived. And so what we're going to see tonight is that we do not need to be deceived. We have all that we need to know to know that there is nothing better than Jesus Christ. God has given us his word that we might know and not be deceived. That There is nothing better than Jesus. So in our text, Jude is writing to a group of people who have been deceived. And he warns them of the dangers of following these false teachers. You see, my deception resulted in overpaying for a baseball card. The dangers here that Judah's writing to, if these people continue to listen and follow the teachings of these false teachers, is far greater than overpaying on a baseball card. It's missing out on who Jesus truly is and spending eternity in hell. And the worst thing about hell is that there's no Jesus. So, so let's jump into our text tonight. We already read verses 17 through 25, but let's, let's jump back to uh, verse 1. Now, we see who wrote this book? Jude. Jude is writing uh, to, to the people here, and uh, we notice something right about the author. It says, Jude, uh, the servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, we also know uh, from church history and from other scholars that, that Jude was the half-brother of Jesus. You know, he could have put that in there, but he didn't. Instead, he says he is a servant of Jesus, a willing slave of his older half-brother. What's interesting is that before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jude did not believe that his brother, Jesus, was the Messiah. You might say that Jude was deceived and didn't believe who his brother truly was. But now, we see that Jude is no longer deceived. In fact, he is risking his life. He is all about um, spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jude writes this letter to this church because they had been deceived by some false prophets who were selling something completely contradictory to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jude had plans to write something totally different. Look at verse 3 there. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude says, I had plans to write something easier. Jude probably had plans to write a book like the book of Romans. You know, we all love the book of Romans. Whenever I'm reading Romans, uh, I just want to highlight everything. Oh, that is so good. That is so, by, by the time you, you finish reading the page, the whole page is highlighted because it's so good talking about God's love and the gospel for us. And so Jude said, I had plans to write about our salvation, how, how wonderful the gospel is for us. But he says, but something has come up. Something has come to my attention and I must address it. What is that? Look at verse four. What has happened? Look at verse four. For certain people have crept in 
unnoticed. They have crept in deceitfully. They have made their way into the, the, this church unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, now Jude says, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, but what do we see in verse 17? He says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. None of this caught the Lord by surprise. In fact, God has never been surprised. Jude is saying, hey, these people, we knew they were going to come. They're here. Don't be surprised by that. God is not surprised by any of this. But he says these people have crept in, and they're teaching something that is completely against. In fact, he says they pervert the grace of our God, and they deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. How did this happen? Were the people, did they lack understanding how I lacked understanding and was misled into overpaying for a baseball card? Well, kind of. These people had been taught God's word. How much? We're not exactly sure how much, but we, we do not know their deep knowledge of understanding of God's word, how deep that was. But what we do know for a fact is that during this time in the world, over 90% of the world was illiterate, meaning they, they could not read. So even if they wanted to learn more about God's word, the majority of them were unable to, either because they didn't know how to read or they didn't have a copy of God's word. And so this is why this was such a big deal, because these teachers had made their way into the church. And so these teachers could read. And so you can imagine if you're coming to the church wanting to hear from God's word being taught and proclaimed, and, and you can't read, so you can't fact check who is the, that's speaking in front of you, you're taking that message like it's the gospel truth. And Jude is warning them, hey, there are people in your church who are teaching something that goes against God's word. So these people were being deceived. And Jude says, I have to address that because Jude does not want this audience to be deceived. Today for us, we have some major advantages that the people that Jude is writing to did not have. The first thing is, most of us, probably all of us in this room, have some kind of reading ability, and we can read God's Word. The other thing is we have some major technological advances. If you have a smartphone, you can download a library of commentaries and books and any translation of the Bible uh, that you want and read. In fact, you can even download a, a software called Logos Bible Study Software, and you can do a study on the original languages that the Bible is written in right on your own phone. So we have all these resources, and, and we, have, we are without excuse on being deceived. Our problem is we're either lazy or we don't spend time in God's Word like we should be spending time. Or we trust whoever is teaching us. We're, or the other problem we have is we're too accepting by whatever the popular thought is in our culture. Whatever a comment has the most likes on the social media post or whatever your preferred cable news network says, we think that's what we're supposed to think instead of seeing what God's word has to say. We should not let the world tell us what to think. We should look to God's word for all truth and we should see the world through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ because God shapes us through his word. And he wants us to, to help us, to prepare us for the evil and the hardships that await us in this life. And he also wants us to see that there is absolutely nothing better that this world has to offer that can touch the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The Lord does not want us to be deceived. He has given us his word that we might know and respond to the truth of who he is. You see, these false teachers that, that Judas addressing, they had received the truth. They received the truth. Then they rejected the truth. They ridiculed the truth. And now they're attempting to replace the truth and bring others along with them. And if you need an example of what this looks like, need to look no further than schools like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Columbia, Brown, and the University of Chicago, all of which were founded to train ministers to share the gospel. Did you know that? Back in their day, that's what they were founded to do, to train ministers to share the gospel. Today, none of them stand for the historic Christian orthodoxy. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And today, less than 20% of Americans say that they believe the Bible to actually be the word of God. Have I painted a picture of, of we have a very similar culture and society of what Jude was writing to um, today in our world? More and more every day, our world is trying to do the same thing, trying to reject, ridicule, and replace the truth of God's word and anyone who follows it. That includes you and that includes me. And so we do not need to be deceived. We also don't need to be scared about that. Judas made this, this quite clear. It's been predicted, they're coming, they're here. And so we need to stand true on the power of God's word and not be scared or frightened by that, but continue to contend for the faith, as Jude says. So here in this awesome passage of scripture, Jude lays out uh, truth for us to follow and this contentious world that we find ourselves living in right now. Now Jude, he, he is speaking to this group of Christians, and their society was a pluralistic society, a culture that loved relativism. Now relativism says that whatever is true for you is true for you, and that followed many other gods and many truths and fashions and fads. And here he says in verse 3, contend for the faith. You might also say contend for the truth. Contending for the faith is not the same thing as being contentious for the faith. Let me say that again. Contending for the faith is not the same thing as being contentious or even being critical in the name of faith. That, that's not God's character and that's not Jude's heart here. So don't be deceived by that. Jude is simply exhorting the church to defend the truth. And by doing so, God's church will actually be the church. You see, we, we want people to look at us and see Jesus. And to see Jesus, they must understand the truth. They must understand who God is. That God is a God of love and grace and mercy. And it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Now, God is a God of justice and righteous and holiness. And he demands that, that a sin debt be paid. But he has paid for that through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, if we're going out to the world and we're being contentious and we're the ones being all upset and mad and getting red in the face with people and saying, how dare you, you behave that way and act that way, we are doing nothing but turning them away from the love of the Father. So do not be deceived. Don't be contentious in your contending for the faith. If the world does not see Jesus in you, they will be deceived in their understanding of who God is. We want people to look at us and see Jesus. And to see Jesus, they must understand the truth. If the world does not see Jesus in you, they will be deceived in their understanding of who God is. 
And that is a hard pill for us to swallow tonight. To understand that our lives may be deceiving other people's into not getting a clear picture of who God is. And in doing so, you may very well be the reason someone misses out and spends eternity separated from Jesus. You see, our culture very much is like the culture 2,000 years ago that Jude was writing to. It's almost exactly the same. And here Jude is instructing us on how to live in this contentious society. And he's saying, care about the truth. Cling to the truth. Believe the truth. And be aware enough about the truth that you can tell a false teacher from a faithful prophet. And Jude is saying, stick close to God's word. Stick close to Jesus Christ. He's saying all those things to us. And that word is just as fresh today as when he spoke it. The challenge for for you and for, for myself is to know the source of God's truth to know his word. Are you confident enough in your understanding of the Bible to discern what is true or what just sounds good? Do you know God's word enough to not be deceived by the message of the world, what the world says is truth? Do you know God's word? Verse four says they crept in and the world is doing a very good job at creeping in. Sometimes they're not really creeping in anymore. They're just making a, just a, a, being very blunt with it and said, this is true. This is what we must accept. And this is, is how good people should be. But that's, it's crept in over time. And so now we must be people of the word, people who stand firm on the word of God and will contend for the faith. The world is, is, is trying to teach our young students, our children, and our teenagers, what sounds like a logical truth, but in reality goes completely against the truth of God's word. And these false teachers that, that Jude is talking about, they were deceived into thinking that their message was better than the power of the gospel. And Jude does not want his audience to be deceived. And he does not want us to be deceived as well. So he provides them, and he provides us with some practical tips on how to avoid deception. Look with me, if you will, verses 20 through 23. What does he say to do? He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. He doesn't say build yourselves up in your, your grandmother's most holy faith or your mom's most holy faith or, or your pastor's most holy faith. No, it has to be your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, awaiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by flesh. Jude says they must be attentive to their own relationship with God. And then they must remain in God's love by growing in their understanding of the faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, and by remembering that Jesus is coming back one day. So how do we continue to grow in our understanding of the faith that Jude talks about? Well, we read our Bibles and we pray every day. I remember as a little kid being taught that song, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Maybe you remember a song similar to that. You know, we, we teach our children these songs uh, from a young age. We, we teach them the importance of reading God's word and praying every day, but then we reach a certain age where we think, well, I think I've read enough. I've read the Bible through enough times, and I've done a lot of praying, and I'm good. No. We still need to be in God's word, and we still need to be praying every single day. Continue to do what Jude tells us to do, to building yourself up in your most holy faith. 
So we need to continue to do that so we do not become deceived. Jude then moves on to tell us that some people in the church have already been affected. They've already been deceived. And he tells us how to deal with them. And he gives us some wise warnings in doing so with people who have been deceived. Look at verse 22 through 23. The main message he gives us here in these two verses is that extending mercy to others should not be misunderstood as acceptance of living in a sinful lifestyle. We do need to go. We do need to be careful. We do need to extend mercy to people. But we want to make sure that we're not getting uh, too close and being affected by their sin. As well as not thinking that the, our kindness is acceptance of a sinful lifestyle. We do we need to be full of grace, full of love, full of mercy. We need to be people who when they see us, they see the kindness and love of Jesus. But we need to be careful in doing so. And see, he even says, snatching them out of the fire. You know, I know a thing or two about pulling someone from a, a fire with being with the Lone Oak Volunteer Fire Department. When we go on a fire call, um, most of the time I don't have socks on, but uh, I, I jump in on my bunker gear, and there's my, my, my boots and my pants and my suspenders right there. I hop in one foot, hop in the other, pull my suspenders up this way, pull my straps down, then I grab my coat, I put this coat on that arm, put it on that arm, grab my helmet, run and jump into the truck. And when I get in there, I zip everything up and my jacket and my pants, they're, they're, they're flame resistant. I, I can be in a really hot fire. And I put my, my hood on that's in my, my right pocket right here, pull that back, I put my mask over my, my face, pull the hood back over so everything's protected. And then I put my helmet on, I get strapped in with my air pack. And the last thing I do is I put my gloves on so every part of me is protected. If you've ever seen a movie where someone just runs into a burning building and saves one, that is a lie. That is not going to happen. You have to be prepared. You have to be ready to go in there. Don't be deceived and think that you can just go in there and snatch someone out of the fire. No, no, no. There are some dangerous things in there. Not only that, but I've spent close to 300 hours of, of, of training, sitting in a classroom, doing some hands-on experience to know what to go and do. And so Jude says, hey, um, snatching them out of the fire, we need to be aware and to know that that is a dangerous place to be. Didn't say don't go just because it's dangerous. No, we, we don't go, we don't pull up to a fire and say, that ah, looks too hot. I don't think I'll go in there and save someone. No, we, we, we do all that we can. We have the tools that we need to, and we do as much as we can to go and save someone. And so don't be deceived in thinking that, well, I can just go and just, just I'll pray for them once. I'll invite them to church and I'll be, no. It may be that you need to commit to praying over and over again. You need to, 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 to pray hours and hours for that person, for that loved one, for that friend, for that coworker. And, and you need to be careful in how you go about presenting yourself, how you go about inviting them, how you go about sharing the gospel with them. It is a dangerous world that we live in, yes, but that doesn't mean you should not go. Go and share the gospel. Ha, ha, take someone with you. Hey, will, will you help me? Will you, will you commit to praying for this person? It breaks my heart to, to see students who, who grow up in church. They go off to college and they become deceived by the world. Well, that happens. We have a lot of people who have been deceived by the world, but we need to go and share the love of Christ. We, we need to go and be people who will be image bearers of King Jesus. We'll love them 
and pull them out, snatch them out of the fire and say, let me show you. Let me show you how you've been deceived. Let me show you that there's nothing this world has to offer that is better than Jesus. You see, the reality is we do live in a world today that has been deceived. But there is still a need today for us to do exactly what Jude says to do in verse 3, to contend for the faith. We do need to extend mercy and grace and kindness towards those who have been deceived. We still need to share the truth, even if that means you might get made fun of, you might lose a job, whatever might happen to you. It's, you see, it's not loving for a doctor to tell you that, uh, that, you, that you, to not tell you that you have a deadly disease just because it might upset you. No, the loving thing to do is to tell the truth in a gracious way, but also share the remedy. That's the gospel. The gospel, there is nothing greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing this world has to offer is better than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy you. There is nothing in this world that can give you hope and peace and assurance than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jude ends this book with a beautiful doxology, a beautiful picture of the gospel. As I was studying this book, we did a four-week series with our student ministry in the book of Jude at the end of last school year. I was studying it, and I was studying it, and I'm like, Lord, what do I do with these last two verses? Why is that in here? Because the whole book is kind of an odd passage of Scripture, and there's some twists and turns that it takes. And then here you have these two verses here. I was thinking, Lord, would you help me understand why did you direct Jude to write these two verses? And then all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord just, just opened my eyes to see. He'd been talking about these people who had been deceived, these false teachers that had, had crept in, that had been teaching a message that perverted the grace of God and denied the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He was talking about how they, they were teaching a message that sounded good. And so I, Jude ends this with saying, hey, watch this. There is nothing better than, than this. You don't want to be deceived? Then keep your hearts and your minds focused on the goodness of God, that there is nothing better than Jesus. Verse 24 and 25, look with me here, if you will. Now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forever. Jude reminds his readers that God is able and he is willing to keep them from being deceived. To keep us from falling doesn't mean keep us from failing. You see, we're still going to fail because we're sinners. So the idea is that God will keep us from falling out of his grace. He, he will keep us from abandoning the faith. When, if we keep looking to the cross of Jesus Christ, if we keep reminding ourselves of what we believe, we keep reminding ourselves that there's nothing greater than Jesus. Keep reminding ourselves that the grace of God is amazing. There, there are no limits to God's grace, that he continues to love us, that we will not fall away from the Lord. You see, it's even by God's grace that we have a desire to want more of him, because God knows he is the best thing for us, so he allows access to him. And there is nothing better than the truth of the gospel. Nothing better. The world will try and deceive you, and the world will try and sell you something shiny and great, but do not be deceived. There is nothing greater than Jesus. Know the treasure that you have in Christ. Do not be deceived. 
There is nothing greater than Jesus. You know, when I, when I think about this doxology, I think about two baseball cards that I have. In my office, I have a, a display case, and I um, have them up there. It brings me great joy to look at them. I just enjoy them. But, but I think of two cards that I have. You know, it says, um, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the glory. I think about these two cards that I have that are being kept, being sec- kept secured. Um, th- these are two graded cards. I, I want to bore you with all the details of cards, but just know that, that these two cards are in a case, and I, I can't get them out. They have been sealed, and they're secured, and their condition is perfect, and it says it's perfect. Now, one card is worth a lot of money, and one not so much. One card I paid $5 for, one card I paid $100 for. But notice that the condition of these cards are perfect. There's nothing that I can do to these cards that that would change that, right? One card is a bust. This card, the player, he just just failed. He never made it in the big leagues. And so this card would have been worth over $1,000, but it's only worth $5, this card is, could be worth a lot more money one day, uh, and it's, it's perfect. And so it's easy to see why this card would be worth presenting in my office and why this card gives me great joy. But the world would say, this guy's a bust. Get rid of him. He's not worth even putting up in your office. But the gospel says it doesn't matter if you've made a mess of your life, if you've completely failed, or if you've been perfect and great and lived a great life and been a good person. The gospel says that God gives, us, it gives him great joy to present you before the Father. And there's nothing you can do to mess that up because of what God has done. The Lord Jesus Christ, his blood is what keeps you. His blood is what secures your position before the Father. Not based on anything you've done, but what he has done for you you. And you tell me what can possibly match that. Nothing can match that. There is nothing greater than Jesus. There's nothing greater than the gospel truth and the message that we have here in this passage that it says that he presents you with great joy. Great joy. There's there's another passage of scripture that talks about the joy that Jesus had. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now watch this. While Jesus is on the cross, Hebrews 12, 2 says that Jesus, and before the joy that was set before him as he endured the cross, Jude says, hey, I know what was on his mind. You were on his mind. Jude says what, what was on his mind, that the joy set before him was presenting you before the Father. What we just read here in verse 24 and verse 25, Jude says the joy that was set before him, Jesus was presenting you before the Father one day. And there's nothing better than that. While Jesus is on the cross, he is, he, his joy is you. He goes to the cross for you and for me. And you tell me, who would ever do that for you? No one would do that for you. It makes no sense in my mind when I think about, God, you knew all the mistakes that I would make and you still went to the cross for me? I wouldn't do that for someone, but Jude says it gave God great joy. He went to the cross, and he presents us with great joy. And when we find our truth, we find our worth in that truth, there's nothing that can change that. There's nothing that can touch that. What's the definition of worth? What someone is willing to pay. You want to know the, the, 
how much you're worth. You don't look to eBay. You look to the cross of Jesus Christ. We look to the cross and we see our worth. We see it's not based on anything we've done, whether you've been, you're a bust of your life or whether you've been a good person. That doesn't matter. You look up the worth of your life and you see the cross of Calvary where Jesus' precious blood was shed for you and for me. There was nothing greater than that. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When we find our truth in that, we won't go looking other places for satisfaction and meaning in life. We won't be so easily deceived by the world. Instead, we will contend for the faith because we know that there is nothing that can come close to what Jesus has to offer. You see, we need to know the treasure that we have in Jesus, and we don't need to be deceived. We need to go and share that message with, with other people who have been deceived, who, who, who are looking to the world to try and fill them up, but nothing will fill them, nothing will satisfy them, nothing will give them peace and hope like a relationship with Jesus Christ will. So that's the message we go and we share. That's the message we go as we snatch people from the fire. We share with them the love of Christ. That doesn't matter if you've made a mess of your life. God still loves you. He still loves you. His grace is greater than all of your sins. Have you been deceived? Have you replaced Jesus with something else to satisfy you? maybe, Maybe tonight you're the bus card struggling with how God can still love you or think that you've got to be perfect for God to love you. Don't be deceived by that. Know that God loves you you. Perhaps you're here tonight and, and, and you know that you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. You can do that tonight. In just a moment, um, we're going to have a, a song of response. I'll be down front. I would love to talk with you more about how you can place your, your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight. You have a family or a friend or a co-worker who has been deceived and you need to pray for them. It, you need to, don't be deceived. It may take a lot of hard work. It may take months and years of being committed to praying for them. Will you pray for them? Start tonight by praying for them. Would you stand and bow your heads? Father, we are thankful for your word. God, we're thankful that we can be here tonight to, to hear and to receive the truth. Father, thank you for the gospel message. Thank you, Lord. God, there's nothing better than you. God, thank you, Lord, that that even though we've made a mess of our life, God, you you still love us. And you still want to use us to go into a lost and a dark world and to contend for the faith. To continue to show the kindness that we have received and share that with others. So, Father, I pray tonight for the ones in this room and the ones watching online. Lord, if there's someone who, who has never accepted the free gift of salvation, Father, I pray tonight. They would admit they're a sinner, believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and confess you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would help all of us to have a burden for the lost, a burden for those who have been deceived, and to share with them the kindness and the grace that you have given to us. Father, help us as we go and contend for the faith to not be deceived into thinking that we've got to be contentious, and when we contend, but Father, we need to go and love people to stand firm in the truth, knowing that your truth will win. Father, we pray now during this time of response that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.